Here's everything you might have missed in Obi-Wan Kenobi Episodes 1 and 2. Hello there, Star Wars fans! The Obi-Wan Kenobi series is here at long last with a two-episode debut full of nostalgia, intrigue, and murders most foul. If you prefer to read all about it, we've got you covered over on Nerdist.com. However, for us to talk about the show in detail, we kinda need to spoil what happened, so if you haven't seen the first two... Like his, like his lightsaber? Two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi yet, leave now, because this is where the fun begins. This is where the fun begins. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? So after a touching recap that made me briefly consider ordering Episode 1 Era Mountain Dew on eBay, we open on the biggest downer of all time, Order 66 in full effect at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Now, for those who don't know, Order 66 was the Emperor's top secret protocol programmed into the clone troopers to have them hunt down and execute the Jedi as traitors. Newly minted Sith apprentice Anakin Skywalker led the assault on the Jedi Temple on Coruscant himself. The Jedi Minas Velti, who tries leading these younglings to safety, makes her first and last appearance. Sorry folks, it's Order 66. What do you expect here? Now, whether the kids escape is unclear, but statistically, Grogu probably wasn't the only Jedi that made their way out of the temple that night, so I'm hoping for the best. Much darker and far likelier is that one of them is Reva. They were kidnapped by the Empire, turned into Inquisitors, and thus we have an explanation for why our villain is so obsessed with Obi-Wan. The Jedi failed her, Obi-Wan failed her, leaving her to rot in the gutter and then become this tool of the dark side. Hello. And they also had to wear those goofy Padawan helmets from Attack of the Clones. The injustice never stops. In the background of the main hall, we see statues of Jedi that appear in Revenge of the Sith. You can also find one at Galaxy's Edge in Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. Now, the story then shifts ten long, grueling years into the future to sunny, miserable Tatooine. It's a bustling place full of familiar aliens like Jawas, alleyway gambling games, and even a red astromech droid that looks like R2-A3, Wedge's droid from A New Hope. Now, the Inquisitor transport scythe then lands, revealing the Grand Inquisitor, the Fifth Brother, and the Third Sister, a.k.a. Reva. The Inquisitors were the Empire's elite Jedi hunters. Former Jedi themselves, these corrupted Force wielders served at the Grand Inquisitor's behest under Darth Vader's command. The Grand Inquisitor and Fifth Brother both appeared previously in Star Wars Rebels, the Fourth Sister who we meet in Episode 2 is from the Return to Vader's Castle comics, and the Third Sister is actually brand new for this show. As mentioned, Reva has an unhealthy fixation on Obi-Wan. She's a loose cannon, but she gets results. From kidnapping her boss's estranged daughter to sliding into the DMs of an entire planet's worth of bounty hunters, she does whatever it takes to get the job done. And she's always ready to lend a helping hand, or take one. <laughs> We're led to believe the Inquisitors are hot on Obi-Wan's trail, but they're actually looking for Nari, a new Jedi hiding out on Tatooine, played by Unka Joms and Good Time co-director Benny Softy. Nari serves as a grim totem of how Obi-Wan's depression is crystallized to this point. This hopeful Jedi looking for help only finds a broken man who firmly believes their fight is over, and it ultimately gets Nari killed. Now, Obi-Wan isn't exactly in peak fighting form himself. He spends his days LARPing as Ben, just a regular human worker at the fish meat mine in the middle of the desert, because nothing says seafood like the Dune Sea. Now, in keeping with Star Wars lore, there's always a bigger fish, and this massive creature is apparently the source of employment and food for dozens and dozens of workers. After witnessing some casual wage theft in the workplace, Obi-Wan takes his to-go meat and rides his EOP home. We first glimpsed these horse-like creatures in The Phantom Menace. 
Obi-Wan's Jawa pal Tika mentions that they could smell him from Anchorhead, a small town that's home to Tashi Station. That's where Luke was gonna pick up those power converters in A New Hope, and it recently appeared on the Book of Boba Fett. Now, the toy that Obi-Wan buys from Tika is actually the Model T-16 Skyhopper that Luke has years later in A New Hope, so I guess Uncle Owen wound up changing his mind after all. And speaking of changing minds, at night, Obi-Wan has nightmares about the prequels, and hopefully that should change for Ewan McGregor after the rapturous response they received at Star Wars Celebration. Unfortunately, despite hearing Yoda say, your old master, how to commune with him, I will teach you. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Anyway, you heard what Yoda said in the recap. Obi-Wan is unable to contact his dead master, Qui-Gon Jinn. So we are in a full-on Jinn watch until Chekhov's Force Ghost makes an appearance. Anyway, we see a scurrier than uh, scurry by as Obi-Wan treks to monitor young Luke at the Lars family farm. Luke dreams of a more exciting life and pretends to be a pod racer on the roof of his farm like his father before him. Meanwhile, his sister Leia Organa leads a comparatively plush life on a much less exploded version of Alderaan. She also yearns for more despite having so much. Like her mother Padme before her, she pulls a fast one with one of her handmaidens doing the decoy trick to sneak away so she can go watch the ships flying in and out of the port. Leia mentions seeing an Aquilian ranger ship, which is a deep cut reference to early Star Wars. In early drafts of the Star Wars script, Deke Starkiller, the older brother of Luke Starkiller, was said to be an Aquilian Ranger. They were a rebel paramilitary force that carried laser swords and had force power similar to the Jedi, but a little bit different. As for the Merson pirates they were supposedly hunting, they originated in Marvel Comics Star Wars number 24 way back in 1977. Leia's adoptive mother mentions that Leia is kind of like raising a Glorag, a creature from the Star Wars role-playing game that originated in 1996's Star Wars Adventure Journal number 10. At the diplomatic function, you can spot C-3PO in the background, played once again by Anthony Daniels, and what appears to be R2-D2 as well, serving drinks. R2, what are you doing here? Later on, Leia says she'd rather be digested by a Jacobeast than apologize to her crappy cousin. These four sensitive saber-toothed tiger-esque creatures dwell primarily in the icy tundras of the Outer Rim. Bail Organa then tries to level with his little senator in training about how he wanted to live out past Kalthu when he was younger. Now, this sounds like a new planet based on my research, and considering that Pergil are the large space whales that we first saw in the Star Wars Rebels episode, The Call, and they happen to live in deep space, it's likely way, way out there. But unfortunately for Leia, her plan to avoid apologizing goes seriously sideways when she has a difficult time fleeing her captors. I said... The Red Hot Chili Pepper bassist Flea plays certified dirtbag Vect Nakru, acting on Reva's orders alongside his Nikto and Faleen compatriots. It's part of an elaborate plan to draw out Obi-Wan from hiding. And guess what? It works. Like, really well. Anyways, back on Tatooine, Obi-Wan's encounter with Uncle Owen is nothing short of disastrous. Owen runs him over the coals like certain Anakins I could name, and the sequence feels straight out of Marvel's Star Wars number 15 comic from 2016. He also invokes Luke's time-honored tradition of bullseyeing Womp Rat when he tells the third sister that on his farm, he kills vermin. While a hologram message about Leia being in danger kicked off the Star Wars saga some 45 years ago, Obi-Wan doesn't really feel forced to answer this one, at least at first. Bale then shows up in person and basically tells Obi-Wan to let the past die in the nicest way possible. And that turns out to be exactly the kick in the butt that he needs to go dig up his and Anakin's old lightsabers. Obi-Wan's search for Leia takes him to the neon-soaked hive of scum and villainy that is Dayu. It's full of weird little freaks like One Jack, this Beetleborg-looking dude who follows in the footsteps of Forlom, one of the bounty hunters we first met back in Empire Strikes Back. 
Now, my personal favorite is this Yoshi with a rifle, the raptor-like Tishar bounty hunter. I'm also not entirely sure, but that large white furry doofus kind of looks like the tall stilt-like alien from that deleted scene in A New Hope. We then see a familiar face in the form of Tamura Morrison playing a Clone War veteran down on his luck. Now, as you may remember, Morrison played Jango Fett, the DNA template used by the Kamino and cloning facility for the Grand Army of the Republic. While the clones were instrumental in purging the Jedi during Order 66, they were decommissioned and then replaced with normal human stormtroopers after the formation of the Galactic Empire. Some 10 years later, those clones who survived are clearly facing difficult times. And to make things even darker, he's a veteran of the 501st Legion, the forces that Anakin commanded during the Clone Wars. Obi-Wan then gets offered a variety of spice by someone named Tetha Grig, Kessel Pure from the Spice Mines of Kessel, which we saw in Solo, a Star Wars story, Glitter Stim, harvested from the webs of spice spiders, and Felution, a type derived from the Nicillin plant grown on the jungle world of Felucia. And yes, let me head my editor Matt off at the pass with a friendly reminder to follow Spice to the Source and just watch or read Dune if you haven't done so yet. The spice. It's in everything here. Next, we see why ICP was so mystified by magnets as Kamel Nanjiani's conman Haja Estri tricks people into thinking that he's actually a Jedi. He extorts a family for safe passage to Corellia, Han Solo's canonical homeworld. And as we see later, he isn't all that bad. Haja sacrifices himself to buy Obi-Wan time to smuggle Leia out to the planet Mapuzo. That is a little-known world in the midroom from 1995's Alliance Intelligence Reports, a supplement for the Star Wars role-playing game. It also appeared in 2009's Essential Atlas. Now, before Reva seemingly kills Haja, she uses the mind probe force ability we saw the Grand Inquisitor use on Kanan Jarrus in Star Wars Rebels. When she stalks Obi-Wan and Leia through the cargo bay, it reminded me a bit of the Warriors. Obi-Wan, come out and play! That's all she needed with like little lightsabers on her fingers instead of bottles, but who cares? While our heroes manage to escape, it's still a win-win for Reva, who turns the Grand Inquisitor into a Sith kebab with her lightsaber. Now, if you're a little confused, don't worry. His death is, yes, very different in Star Wars Rebels, so I don't think he actually died here. This is just gonna take him out of commission for a little bit. And that wasn't Reva's only gut punch either. The revelation that Anakin survived gives Obi-Wan a full-on existential crisis as we cut to Vader just trying to exist, looking real gnarly outside his suit, taking a back-to-bath. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That is everything we spotted in the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. The show did a great job at setting the table for what's to come and establishing Reva as a straight-up demon on our hero's tale. And while I'm hoping the entire show won't be the baby Leia escort quest, it's a great way to establish how Leia knew to ask for Obi-Wan's help in A New Hope, and having young Leia remind Obi-Wan of Padme adds another delightful wrinkle to their dynamic as well. If anyone asks, we're farmers from Tall and you're my daughter. Granddaughter, maybe. For now, though, folks, tell us, what did you think of the first two episodes? Did you spot anything that we missed? No. Because you can't. Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com.